What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats. This one is going to be awesome. As with last Friday, not one, but two guests coming your way. The Hall of Famer, John Smoltz, and Pitching Ninja to talk his top five nastiest pitches of the week. Can we just talk about how incredible this week has been for, for a guy like me that grew up the biggest Braves fan to have John Smoltz and Chipper Jones on the show in one week. Well, that is just the coolest thing in the entire world. So yes, Chipper Jones came out on Wednesday, talked to him for a long time, shared so many great stories, so many brave stories, his career, Bobby Cox ejection stories, John Smoltz stories. It was incredible. So if you haven't yet listened, if you're a fan of baseball, and great stories involving a lot of Hall of Famers. Go back and listen to that Wednesday episode because it is certainly one of my favorites. But today, first up, we're going to talk to John Smoltz, and I'm going to share with him a lot of those stories that Chipper Jones had to say about him. So this one will be a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, Albert Pujols also hit 700 home runs last week, so talk to John about that as well. But I always love having him on. It is so cool for me to be able to bring to you guys a Hall of Famer and a guy with so many stories every week as we've been doing. So I hope you all appreciate it. So John Smoltz will be up right here, Pitching Ninja later. But for now, let's talk some stories with Chipper, John Smoltz. Let's, this, this is going to be a fun one. Let's welcome in now Hall of Famer for the Atlanta Braves, John Smoltz. All right, and I am pumped to be joined as I am weekly by John Smoltz. John, pumped to have you back in, my friend. I want to start because this week has been a really exciting one. I had Chipper Jones on the show, talked to him for a long time, and naturally some stories about you came up. So this first one, I want to play for you. He talked about an occasion that occurred in spring training, and I want to hear what you have to say about this. So let's check it out. I was always the first guy in the cage the first day of spring training against those guys. Yeah. Um, so I know everything they got. And to be <laughs> honest with you, Smoltzy is my kind of pitcher. Like if I if I had to choose one of the three, because everything's hard. You know, you know he's going to come at you with the hard straight fastball. He's going to throw the 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 slider, and and if he throws the slider enough, he's going to hang me one every once in a while. And he hung me a few. In spring training, and when, normally when you hit a home run off of one of your teammates in spring training, you just get out of the case. Mm -mm, nope, I ran the bases. <laughs> I slapped high fives with all the with the second baseman, the first yeah, everybody did the did the dap with my third base coach, you know, around the. <laughs> what do you remember about that? It was batting practice, and I was throwing the ball right down the middle. <laughs> Like the reason he liked hitting off me in batting practice to get ready for the season. And this was my He's motto. Not the Every time I, I went individual in the world is I would throw the ball right down the middle. I wasn't trying to get my hitters out. And when he pimped it, <laughs> knowing what was coming, I just sat there going, okay, all right. But my theory in spring training, it might be a little bit different than most, you know, guys are trying to get, um, themselves ready, throw the best pitches they can. And my theory was, I'm just trying to exercise my arm and get ready. And I, I, I literally felt like I could get every hitter hot because I was throwing the ball strikes. I was trying to throw strikes. So yeah, Chipper, uh, 
I, rem I remember that vividly and laughed as he was, you know, taking his victory lap around <laughs> the bases in what was batting practice. So, you know, he knew what was coming. As you can imagine, he failed to mention that part. He failed to mention yeah. that it was, yeah, he, I knew it was coming. So that's why I did that. But, you know, he, he didn't mention that. Um, he also, I, I asked, as you've shared a couple of great stories with other players, but I needed some about you. So when I asked Chipper to, when I mention John Smoltz and a story that comes to mind, let me play for you the story that came to mind for Chipper about you. He's not the toughest individual in the world. Um, he got he got hit in the back, like right between right between the two and the nine one time in uh, in Colorado, and he sat at home plate and did the tuna for a good like like three or four minutes. Like didn't get up, and we're all sitting there like, bro, we get hit every day. You know, I mean, we're, we're not going to sit there and do the, do the tuna, you know, do the tuna flop right there at home plate. So, so he caught a lot of guff for that one. Oh gosh. Remember that one? I do. I got hit in the kidney and I couldn't breathe for about 30 seconds. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they didn't even see if I was okay. They started laughing immediately and it was in Colorado. Of course, you know, the thin air there. So, um, I had hit two doubles, I think, that game and got drilled, wasn't happy, and it did catch me in the perfect <laughs> spot. I, um, I'm i not like those everyday hitters who anticipate the ball coming towards you and did not get out of the way very well, turned my back right into it, and, uh, you know, finished the game like I always did or stayed <laughs> in the But the funny thing about Chipper is he never got hit. And he made it known that he never gets hit. And as soon as he made it known, what do you think happened? He gets hit. He got hit. <laughs> so, uh, he stayed He stayed pretty healthy in that regards because of the way and his style of hitting. Obviously, he's a great hitter, one of the best uh, switch hitters ever. And, you know, he, he had a, he had ability to hit for power for both both sides of the plate. And, and I think uh, – you know, didn't get hit that that often. So he didn't really get to know how to experience <laughs> that scenario up until that point. It's just funny. Like, you know, I ask him a story that comes to mind and that's one. And then the other happened to be a slow roller in between the first baseline and you. And he's like, <laughs> and he goes running over, he trips, he falls, he does a barrel roll over to first base. And those are the two <laughs> stories that Chipper shared. Yeah, well, one he for forgot to mention was the greatest play I've ever made in my life was against Tom Glavin, against the Mets. Uh, he swung and hit it off the end of the bat. Chipper should have made it. His look on his face was like, you got to be kidding me. I go over barehanded and end up throwing it from almost the third base coaching box and, and get Glavin because he wasn't the most fleet of foot. <laughs> but he should have made play of the year. Uh, but Chipper's face was priceless when you go like, what are you doing? I had this easy. I could have crow hopped and made it. But it was that competitive juices that I had, both on that play and the play that he's talking about. Julio Franco came over, and I was, I was waving to him that I've got it, and obviously he didn't, he didn't hear me. So when I made the play, there was nothing else to do but try to roll to first. And, of course, <laughs> I thought I was – 
reaching the bag with my glove. I was nowhere close. <laughs> I took so much grief for that play. And the side story behind that play is, unfortunately, the first, uh, I think it was Cirillo or whoever was um, coming into first sliding for the Padres, he slid in and he hurt and tore up his thumb, which was unfortunate. And I ended up either cracking a rib or mm. pulling a rib muscle because I was sore for a long time, had to Novocaine it up to pitch my next start. So I didn't say much about it because I played it off like there was no big deal. But I I, uh, I had to pitch the next couple starts with a uh, kind of a compromised rib section. I, wow. I didn't know that, but you know, yeah, he chose to give you a bunch of grief for stories. So I had to, I brought up his uh, foul ball last year in the playoffs, which he just completely botched in the stands. And so he, he said he's gotten so much grief for that. He also said if his kids weren't there, he would have just left his wife and run away because he wants no parts of catching <laughs> a foul ball in the stands. Do you remember, I, I've heard a story um, of a young Chipper Jones um, Playing, playing the infield, and he plowed into Greg Maddox, and it just earned him a an earful from from Maddox. Do you remember that at all? Because I've I've heard this story, but do not oh, remember. Oh man, I I remember it like it was yesterday. Listen, the pitcher plays traffic cop on a pit on a pop up, and it was on close to the first base side of the foul line, so there would be no reason for a third baseman to come <laughs> flying in at hundred miles an hour and chipper could fly back in his day before he hurt his knee. And here's Maddox just sitting there between the first baseman and the catcher. And the next thing, you know, he gets, as he calls it frogged in the calf and just <laughs> buckles him and he goes down and chipper never saw him and just ran right into him trying to catch his pop-up out of eagerness. And it was an earful in the uh, dugout. You know, here's a young chipper and a uh, veteran kind of, you know, world-class world class pitcher, Maddox. And, I mean, <clears throat> he got him in the calf good. And it was one of the funniest things I've seen because, luckily, it was funny because nobody really got hurt. But he come flying in, looking at that ball in the air and never looked and just ran right into uh, – and, and Greg, to his, you know, he had no idea someone was going to be coming in and hitting him like a football player. Uh, his knee – Chipper's knee hit um, Maddox in the calf or behind the knee, and oh man! So you what? Can yeah, what's that earful like in the dugout? Because is Maddox a guy that's not afraid to make his own play on the mound? You know, you see a lot of pitchers now just get out of the way. But yeah, so so the problem was it was in foul territory again. No reason for the third baseman to be part of the play. This is in foul territory on the first base side. Yes, yes. So you can imagine. <laughs> Uh, Maddox is just sitting there going to tell, you know, hey, first base or catcher, yeah. you know, because you don't want them running in, into each other. So it was, there was no reason for it. And <laughs> and I think the last time <laughs> that chipper was that eager to, uh, you know, pay attention to what was going on, but it, 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 he wanted to catch the, you know, he was just trying to be part of the play. So, John, a, a big moment over the past week, um, Albert Pujols. 700 home runs. I mean, I, I got emotional just watching it. It was so cool to see it happen. First off, what were your, your feelings and emotions seeing him get 700 in Los Angeles where he's so beloved? Obviously would have been, you know, just more, little more perfect in St. Louis, but what a cool night for the game of baseball, I think. I, I, I can't, I don't even know if, um, 
the improbability of this happening for the greatest right-handed slugger based on last year and some of his injuries, the trend, I don't think anybody in the world thought he would hit 10 to 15 home runs yet alone over 20 and get to <laughs> 700. It is truly uh, a representation of the full circle of Albert's career, his dedication to the game, work ethic, um, grinding out at bats. And, and I, I think it's one of the most incredible things given the circumstances of what we know Albert has gone through and what a perfect ending. I mean, I really believe he would have, he would have called it a career if it was 698 or 699, wow. but I think the way that this season's going now for the Cardinals and the way that Albert Pujols is playing and kind of the life he's embarked on that team. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if St. Louis upsets some teams and, and makes it farther than people think yeah. in the postseason because, you know, he's a big part of it and he could come up with a huge hit. I mean, the fact that he's did it in L.A., like you said, and the fact that he did it in one game with two home runs. Look, the hardest home run is the home run before a milestone, you know, before a round number. Yeah. I mean, Grudge is having that issue right now, and it's yeah. so much stress and pressure to do something that everyone expects you to do every time you come up and they're talking about it all the time. That to me in itself is incredible. Yeah, it was, it was quite the night and uh, a special moment for sure. And in, in the game of baseball now, I mean, 700 just feels like an unobtainable number. Like it, it yeah. feels like we're not going to get there anymore. I mean, Miguel Cabrera is 200 away Nelson Cruz is, you know, 200 plus away. Um, it, it's, it seems difficult to get there, but when you're thinking about the game of baseball, where we are right now, is there anybody, any young player in the game or, or anybody playing that you think, man, maybe that person one day has a chance to get there. I mean, the initial thought would always go to Acuna and Soto because they're the youngest and they've reached that hundred plus, you know, pretty quickly. I'm going to throw one out. That's not out of left field. Um, but it all is going to be dependent upon the health and determination of this young man. And I think Bryce Harper, he's got 200 and some home runs. Um, that seems like a, a, a country away, but he's 29. <laughs> so if you think about playing 11 more years or finishing out the contract, unless you say he averages, you know, 30 home runs a year, he gets close. But just think about that. He would have to average 40 home runs a year to get to that number. Uh, so I don't know if anybody can. Um, but if, if it would be be one of those three three guys, just because of age, you've got to have a motor that ticks, that yeah. wants to be the best, that wants to go out there and grind every single day. And I think Bryce Harper has that. He's had some unfortunate injuries that have kind of derailed that. And hopefully he can stay healthy the rest of his career. But he plays in a great park. Uh, he's got that motor. He's a historian that loves the game and I think um, wants to be and climb the ladder of the great, great ones. That's one of those numbers that really puts it into perspective. He'd have to average 40 home runs a year for the rest of his career to get there. You know, I saw a um, like a montage all put together of Albert's 700 home runs. And I think a lot of people forget 
you know, you look at his time in Los Angeles with the Angels and you you, you don't think of it as, well, this was Albert Pujols. It kind of seems right. like, you know, that was the end of the, that was the beginning of the end. He hit over 200 home runs with the Angels and he was there for a while. I was just watching that video like, Man, he might have been in his mid to late 30s with the Angels, but that's when he really that's when he made that push to 700. Those have to be the tough years, that 35 to 40 that you got to keep averaging, you know, tons of home runs. Yeah, and I can't think of another guy that played in two distinct different eras, right? Like Albert was the prolific power average homer in the era that I played in where pitching was different, where strikeouts weren't a badge of honor or weren't looked at like <laughs> something that's terrible. And so now he's survived the high velocity era. Like he's pitched and played long enough to face pitchers who threw in the mid nineties now throwing the hundred. And I think there's something to be said for that. You know, Hank Aaron, who's the greatest home run hitter of all time, in my opinion, um, he, he played in pretty much the same era and dominated, right? And I don't think we've ever seen, to my knowledge, a shift in philosophy of pitching that was pretty drastic and almost took to a place where everybody now tries to throw max effort. Yeah. So, you know, I think there's something to be said for for what he was able to to do, even in the latter part of his career. When you get older and the bat speed gets less and the eyesight gets less, he was able to still do it. Yeah. Hey, John, one last one I got to share with you from, from Chipper. I, I asked him the other day that I said, I know Smoltz, Glavin, Maddox, they're all such great athletes and you get them out on a golf course and they're going to be fantastic. But have you ever gotten them out into your territory, you ever brought them out into the woods and gone hunting with them? And he just cracked up and said, not a chance those guys would survive out in the woods. If they were on Survivor or something, they wouldn't make it two days. <laughs> there's no doubt he's right about that that's not my element and uh you know there's no no I can't think of anybody else who I was around that talked hunting more than him <laughs> and look he he just lives for that you know and I think that's something that is a hobby that I never picked up I'm going to tell a story the reason I'm not a hunter is um I had an unfortunate scenario when I was about 12 years old. Mm -hmm. I told a buddy of mine, we lived uh, in between two fields, my buddy's house, and there was a rabbit about 30 yards away. And I got a flat rock and I said, get that rabbit to move. I'm going to, I'm going to hit it on the, on the run just before it gets to the field. Never really thinking that that would happen. Oh God. And I hit that rabbit about five feet before it got to the field. And I was so distraught. I was hoping that thing was going to be okay. And I said, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. Took one more kick and that was it. Oh, no. I never wanted to hunt since my buddy said at that point, he goes, you're going to make it to the big one. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but I just killed a rabbit. And I am, I just, I'm an animal lover. And I, I I've never, um, never even wanted to think about hunting ever since then. Yeah. I'm with you. I can't, I can't do it either. And I can't hit a rabbit from, that far away, but yeah, I, I would never do that. But, um, John, that's, that's incredible. That's a great story. Always fun. joining me. I appreciate it. Let's do it again next week. My friend, I look forward to it. Yep. Me as well. See it, man. That was great. The rabbit story. Who knew if anybody could do it, of course, John Smoltz could do it at 12 years old. That was incredible. 
Um, I, I love having him on every week because of the stories that he shares. The chipper ones were great. Chipper failed to mention that the home run was literally just a served up pitch right down the middle that he knew was coming, <laughs> which makes it even better, I think. So thanks again to John Smoltz for joining me as he does every week. If you're new to the show, John Smoltz joins every single week, and it has been an absolute blast. So make sure you stay on the lookout for that. Subscribe so you never miss anything. But this is not over yet. Also every week, I am joined by Rob Friedman, also known as Pitching Ninja on Twitter. He is one of the best baseball Twitter follows out there just because of all the stuff he does, taking pitches, showing you how good it was, overlaying fastballs and curveballs. He is your guy for that, and every week he comes on to talk his top five nastiest pitches of the week, and let's bring him in now, Pitching Ninja. All right, it is that time of the week where I am joined by Twitter Hall of Famer himself, Pitching Ninja. Rob, how are you doing this week, my friend? I'm really excited to be a first ballot Twitter Hall of Famer. Like, I didn't think it was going to happen, but I'd like to thank everybody to help this moment happened if i had if i had a vote i would vote for you just know that i have a little tear (laughs) (laughs) all right it is top five nastiest pitches of the week plus a few little bonus things with rob right now and we're going to start with number one on your list this week and no i don't know these aren't in any particular order but yoan duran this week what did you see from him um, just ridiculous stuff this week. I mean, he's always had overpowering velocity, but this took it to another level. You have a, a couple of 99 mile an hour splinkers sandwiched with the meat being a 104 mile an hour fastball. Like <laughs> it sounds even stupid to say, like the dude is throwing off speed pitches at 99 and 104 mile an hour fastballs. That's sick. So my first guest of the year on flipping bats was Carlos Correa and he went out of his way uh towards the end to just say by the way keep an eye on a relief pitcher for us this year Yuan Duran uh he is going to be disgusting remember the name and he said that and I was like okay like he went out of his way to say that and man the guy is throwing 104 with 99 mile an hour splitters that's uh that's pretty nasty He's a, like, he's among I me mean, rookie get rookie and is just absolute elite stuff. You have him and Felix Bautista and Andres Munoz who just opened eyes this year, but uh, you, you can't take your eye off the dude. Um, next up for you, a uh, guy that is really going to be put in the national spotlight come October because we're not talking about him as much as we should. Ryan Helsley of the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, I totally agree. Like the man has been absolutely locked down all year. Um, this was special because he had a 104 mile an hour fastball. We had 204 mile an hour fastballs in the same day from different pitchers, which I think is the first time in the Statcast era that's happened. And a 94 mile an hour wipeout slider with that. So it's going to be fun watching him under pressure. Like I, he's he's definitely up to it and just shoves. Can we make a pact with each other? that we never let hearing or saying 104 mile an hour fastball become like ah another one it, like this is insanity 
I totally agree. I think we get blinded to this. We're yes. like, oh, it's another dude throwing 104, blah, blah, blah. Number one, velo doesn't matter. Yeah, whatever. Um, it definitely does matter. Um, but 104 yes. should always freak you out. 94 mile an hour sliders should freak you out a little bit too. But 104, I mean, it's a blur. It's just getting insane velocity. And I was wondering this the other night because so what makes me feel better about my career is that these pitchers we're seeing at the highest level now were in the minors when I was. So these were the, I was facing 101 with nasty sink. And it's like, of course, I wasn't hitting much. But I, I also was thinking about this when I was watching a game the other night. It used to when you used to watch a broadcast. You know how when a fastball is fast enough, the flame it flashes the flames? It used to do that at like 93, and then it was 95. <laughs> and now it doesn't flash the flames unless it's 97. At what point are we going to start seeing the flames not flash up on the velo until it's 100? Dude, I totally agree. Like, I feel bad. Like, sometimes I have a guy throw a 94, and it's his fastball. And I'm like, I put a little gas emoji on it. I'm like... <laughs> But really, it's 10 miles an hour slower than this stuff. Like, but it's fast for the like, I, 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 I guess I grade on a on a curve like for that player. Yeah, if it's but yeah, I totally agree. Like, it's amazing how things have changed. Um, and I feel stupid sometimes doing that. Like, you know, what impresses people now? Like, what is yeah. amazing? I, I mean, a 104 should always be amazing. It's also hard to like impress people or explain to them that some fastballs are just like invisibles. Like Christian Javier doesn't throw 100 miles an hour for the Astros, but you just can't see his fastball and people struggle to hit it. So that would be a good example of like sometimes 93 looks like 100 and sometimes 104 looks like 104. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and, and sometimes it's how it's set up. Sometimes yeah. it's, you know, if it tunnels really well with other pitches, if a pitcher has deception, weird arm slot, whatever, um, it, they all play into it. So it's not, not just about velocity, but velocity's fun. It's fun. Uh, next up, a lefty with a little bit of velocity, Jose Alvarado. Yeah, I think he gets a little bit under the radar and doesn't get the respect he's deserved. Like, he has been absolutely lights out the last few months. And this is an example of why. I mean, this is – what is it? A hundred and three mile an hour yeah. fastball and a ninety four mile an hour cutter. And look at the tunnel on that. Like you're, people are wondering like why you swing at these pitches. Well, it looks just like your fastball that's a hundred and three <laughs> and cuts away. Like that's sick. Yeah. Uh, so fun fact about Jose Alvarado, I faced him a good bit in the minor leagues, and I didn't have to go up and bunt very often but one time I was tasked with going up to bunt was against him so you know to get to bunt you you get down there you put your head right behind the bat right behind the barrel really pretty close and you just get down there and you lay it down and Alvarado's up there throwing 100 miles an hour from the left side with a cutter and the first one uh first pitch I go to bunt pull back it was like a cutter on the outside edge it was a strike Next one, 100, go to bunt, foul it straight back. I'm sitting 0-2, and uh, I ended up singling to the left side on this at bat. I was down 0-2 and ended up with a single, but uh, I was supposed to bunt, and I did not, and it was a very difficult task to, to get down there and bunt again against a guy like I that. Thought gonna, oh, I thought you were going to tell me he, you ended up like Max Scherzer with the uh, bunt into your <laughs> – no, thank God. But, you know, <laughs> as I'm thinking about this, a lot of people are, are saying, like, the bunting is a lost art in the game of baseball. Nobody does it anymore. It's not easy. 
Uh, and it's not, you know, when a guy was throwing 90 miles an hour or 85 mile an hour fastballs like back in the day, you get down there, drop it down, it's easy. It's like your catch. But guys are throwing 103 with nasty movement. Bunting is not easy. Um, so maybe maybe that's why we see less of it as well. I know what the analytics say, but it's not all so it's, easy. Uh, I will say, like, coaching high school kids, like, they just uh, – it is not easy for them even at that velocity. Like, we would say, yeah, get that bunt down. It's so easy. And, like, we had, like, three successful bunts all year. <laughs> Uh, next up for you, a great story, by the way, Bryce Elder. Um, what did you see from him? So I'd like to put somebody that's not just about velo up there. And everybody loved watching him pitch. They're like, this dude looks like Greg Maddox up mm -hmm. there painting with these sinkers. Like they're absolutely beautiful. I mean, look at that. That's a, just a pretty pitch through a shutout. The first Braves rookie to throw a shutout, I think since 1990. Um, I, like I, I like to show things that show that the game isn't just about velocity. So some of these, so some people have like hopes up that they can do this. The Paint Braves with ridiculous stuff. The Braves have some exciting things going on with rookies, and Bryce Elder isn't a name at the top of that list, and and that says something because he was special the other night for sure. So you went uh, you went away a little bit to to a little artwork, a little backdoor sinkers, but you went right back to the velocity, my friend, Tyler Glass now. Yeah, but I'm going to show his absolute hammer right here. Like this is one of those things I've missed, like having Tyler Glass now not playing baseball in the major leagues. Yeah. It makes everybody's life worse. Like love watching this dude throw total hammer. I mean, that curveball is, is a, a work of art. I mean, it's fierce and beautiful at the same time you could say the same about his hair honestly his his hair and you know just a genuinely good looking dude like yeah. every time i every time i put him out there everybody's like swooning over him <laughs> and he's got that he's got that thomas shelby look the little uh peaky blinders thing going i mean look at that oh yeah that's a dead ringer you know it's funny it's funny you mentioned this is great you, <laughs> you made this uh was it on his start day Yes. I, well, I did this this morning just because I felt like it. Cause I was like, I need to get this out there somewhere. I, I think it's on my Instagram. Um, uh, but yeah, this is, it's, <laughs> it's I'm, funny. I'm, you mentioned that because it does feel like whenever anything is posted about him on baseball, Twitter, it doesn't matter guys, girls, everybody. It's like just the appreciation for him as a good looking guy. It's, it seems like everybody understands that. He is, and, and he's, he's a great dude, like very yeah. understated, really nice guy, great hair, and can do a backflip too. Like he could do a standing backflip at six foot eight. That's crazy. That's impressive. Like how do you do that? So yeah. he rounds out your top five nastiest pitches of the week. But as usual, we have some, uh, we have some bonuses. And this first one, Rob, this was perhaps my favorite thing on Twitter all week long. Sister Jean versus Javi Baez. I, I woke up in the morning and chose violence. I you think did. like I was doing, you did. I, I was doing a video and Baez swung at a Dylan Coleman slider. And I'm like, you know, what would be great mashing it up with sister Jean. So I did this. And I think this is now my biggest, my most widely seen tweet of all time. And that's kind of saying something. I've been doing this for a while. This is, Sister Jean's got nasty stuff, though. Sister Jean does have nasty stuff. And, and many people were talking the other day. I don't know if you've heard this yet. You probably have. But um, it's the first time in history that 
two first pitches were thrown, one by somebody that threw it 103 miles an hour, which was myself, and the other by somebody that's 103 years old, and we did it on the same day. I did hear that, and I was actually hoping to get your autograph afterwards. Yeah, of maybe course. I can do like an NFT of you or something. Yeah, like maybe that. I could get a maybe we can get the video of that, and you can do a mashup with me just blowing somebody's doors off because you you did Sister Jean so nicely that uh, I mean, yeah, How's I definitely it? could do that. Yeah, okay. let's let's get Great. let's get that done. <laughs> All right, <laughs> next on your list, Spencer Strider. Yeah, like I saw Spencer Strider. Like he hasn't been pitching. I've got my like withdrawals from watching him pitch so i decided to mess around with him throwing in throwing seeds in the dugout <laughs> flicking seeds did a little overlay here and that's filthy like how do you get your seed to break that way that little slider seed nasty for and a, and a two-seater yeah a two-seater two -seater. <laughs> you know i'm a fan of uh, i'm a big fan of dad jokes so uh, whenever you have them yeah. please pull them out uh last yeah, yeah, your last bonus for us this week the ripper the the Ripper is a star. Like of all umpires, he's probably the most well known umpire for doing good things like killing batters. Um, <laughs> like he just poor unsuspecting birdie. You never go down looking when the Ripper's behind the plate. Um, dude has his own beer. Did you know that? Like somebody took that nickname and not. made a beer after him. I think it's like uh, Broken Bat Brewing Company has a beer called the Ripper with an umpire holding a knife. It's so for those just listening, uh, the Ripper is an umpire that does a almost like a stabbing motion when it's strike three. And uh, when a right-handed batter is up at the plate and strikes out looking, uh, Rob just mashes it up perfectly. I don't know if perfect is the word because it, it very <laughs> well blood, so that the knife. Ripper <laughs> looks like he's stabbing the batter and there's blood and just very well done. So if you like violence, follow Pitching Ninja on Twitter. You know, it's one other interesting thing. It's John Tempain, and he is the only umpire I know that actually saves someone's life, which makes it even better, right? Like, he saves someone's life during the day and then actually kills hitters at night. So it's this <laughs> weird dichotomy. Uh, Rob, a.k.a. Pitching Ninja, thank you so much. This is always a lot of fun. Make sure everybody is following Twitter Hall of Famer at Pitching Ninja on Twitter. Rob, this is always fun. Great as always, my man. All right, until next week. Oh, it's almost playoff time. This was the last. Uh, I know. This is going to be a blast. Yeah, actually. this was. So time. We'll, we'll see what's coming. So thanks again, yep. buddy. See ya. Cool, dude. Later. All right. Just wanted to thank Rob again for joining me. Wanted to thank John Smoltz again as well. This episode has been an absolute blast for myself. Hopefully you all as well. Just the stories that are told, I can I can never get enough of them. I could talk to Hall of Famers for hours and hours and days and days just hearing the wealth of stories and knowledge that they have. It is truly incredible. So thanks again to John Smoltz and Pitching Ninja. Again, if you haven't listened to that Wednesday episode with Chipper Jones, make sure you go listen. Tons of John Smoltz stories. Tons of stories involving Randy Johnson, Roger Clemens, Pedro Martinez, and of course, a lot of the Braves. And I had to ask some Bobby Cox questions because I was watching him all the time and nobody got ejected more than he did. So his favorite ejection from Bobby Cox story. It was so great. So go back and listen to that episode. I hope you all enjoyed this one. Make sure you like, subscribe, wherever you're listening to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever. Follow along on all social media as well, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and you can watch every single episode on YouTube as well at Flippin' Bats Pod. 
for all of them. Thank you all for listening. This one has been an absolute blast, and I will see you next time for another episode of Flippin' Bats. Peace.